you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at how it is that God speaks to us through the church. And I just want to say up front that I really believe it would be helpful for you to make sure you're reading these chapters, because one thing's for certain, experientially, Blackaby has a lot to say in application of this stuff that I don't even, I, in so many ways, don't relate to, because it's just not even where I've been experientially. And what I mean by that is that, especially in this chapter, I noticed that I can't get up here and in an application of this begin to apply it in ways that he does, especially with regard to the church and where it should go and its direction. Because in his book, he talks about how, how the body speaks the voice of God to one another, and especially in terms of its direction and where it should go. And it's just not something in practice that, in my tradition, that I've done. And so it was interesting in preparing this, there's aspects of this that I understand and we can apply and as we'll, we'll see, but there's aspects to it that I just, um, I don't really even know how to apply yet. So there's a, there's, a, there's a way of walking with God, following God, listening to God that we do as a body, which I think he brings out in the book, that I really um, experientially can't help you with at this point. I'm on the journey. So in saying that, I do believe that uh, we will gain this morning, truly will, a better understanding of how it is we're to listen to the voice of God when he speaks to us through the church, through one another. And I hope that we will be encouraged to proactively, proactively Become better at this. Pursue this. Seek this. As this is, as we get to the application part in the end, last part of this sermon. And before we do that, let us pray that God would actually really help us to understand this truth this morning. Father, we come before you, and here we are as weak creatures, creatures of flesh. Skin and muscle and bone and tendon. And here we are, creatures who feel in our flesh weakness. We feel, we experience, we know that we get tired so easily. We get confused so quickly. We're fearful creatures. We get hungry. We get grumpy. We get lazy. We are so incredibly needy of you, dependent upon you. The truth is, Father, you know, and I, I pray that we would know that we truly can't do anything apart from you. May we become a people who eagerly seek you, seek your word and look to you for the words of life. Look to you to, to teach us, to help us, to guide us, to direct us, to strengthen us, to lift us up to be our God in every way. And even this morning, as we come before you and before your word, we're weak, we're needy, we're, we need you in every way. So please, Father, now minister grace to us. Speak to us. Bless us in every way because we desperately need you. And do it for your namesake and for the glory of Jesus, in whom we pray and live. Amen. 
To begin with this morning, what I want us to do is look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and see here why it is, why does God speak to us through the church? I think that's probably the best place to start, question of why. Why does it work like this? Why does God speak to us this way? Well, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then down to verse 12, we're going to begin at verse 12, we'll start reading there. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, which would be weird, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. This particular truth that's expounded here by Paul and revealed to us makes us and helps us to understand our interconnectedness, our desperate need for one another. When you think of your body, which body part would you right now be willing to give up? Well, it doesn't matter how small of a body part, that would freak you out. <laughs> I guess if I had to think about it, which part would I give up? Oh, no. I mean, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, it's like, okay, maybe the tip of my pinky, maybe. But I'd be terrified of that. I would not want that because I want to be whole. I want to be complete. I need every member. Even as I speak here this morning, I'm using my voice and my eyes and my brain and my hands and my legs. And the whole body is coming together to support, to help, to, to accomplish the purpose. And so there's a fundamental truth here that's also expounded in Ephesians chapter 4 that was read for us this morning. If you turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 16, the premise here is that we were all made one in Christ. We have the same Lord, the same faith, the same baptism. We're one in all these ways. He's going one, 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 one. We're one. Don't you realize it's like, look at all the unity, look at all the oneness. Yet, he says, he goes on to say, you've been given diversity, distinction, gifts. And why? Well, then he summarizes this, if you look down at verse 15 and 16, by saying, what we're to, how is this all to come together? And, and what's, the, what's the finality of it? He says this, that we, what we are to do is that by speaking the truth in love, we, we are to grow up into in all things, into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, 
joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now here, Paul does something a little different. He doesn't talk about ears and eyes and parts. He's talking, he gets more in, in the internal aspects of the body, by talks about joints. The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Well, then you got tendons and you got ligaments and you got everything supplying help to the body, to this one body, all these distinct aspects of your body. It get, there's not a better illustration, I don't think, is there? About diversity and unity, one body, one person, and yet many parts. And all these many parts, what do they do? Their goal and their purpose is to build up and to strengthen the one person. And he says, this is the exact same way God has made the body. And the other thing is, is that we were all, we, how does this happen in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians 4? How does this happen? This happens by an act of the Spirit. We're baptized into Christ and, and we're partakers of the Spirit. Now the Spirit of God dwells in us and these members work to build up the body. And this happens because God has designed it this way. And as he says in Ephesians chapter 4, the practical aspect of this is that as we're speaking the truth in love to one another, as we speak the truth in love to one another, we're built up. This means... That becoming a Christian is not a private thing. It's personal. It's not private. It's a corporate thing that happens. It's a, God creates us and brings us together, designed it so that you and me need one another. I need you, and you need me. Just like you need your hand. Do you need your hand? Do you appreciate your hand? Yes, absolutely. You ever have troubles with your hand? You ever have troubles with your knee, Lanny? (laughs) That's no fun, is it? Do you need it? Absolutely you need it. But yet, you don't even really see it most of the time. There it is, hidden. A vital part of that body. God puts us together in that same way. And so when God wants to speak something to us, as we've looked at before, it might come to us, God's voice might come to us through his word, privately. It might come to us through prayer, privately. It might, and it, it'll come to us through circumstances. However, a primary means, a primary way by which God's word, his voice comes to us is through the body. Speaking the truth in love to one another, we're built up into Christ. That truth is God's word to us. However, if we're not properly connected to the body or fellowshipping with the body, it isn't going to happen. You know what? God might be even incredibly quiet to you. His voice might be silent to you. You might be wondering, why, God? Why am I not hearing from you? And so what do we do? We tend to go spend even more time, perhaps, maybe more private time, more time in prayer, more time reading the word. God, why aren't you speaking to me? Because we've got to understand, yes, he does. 
but not always. There's, there's a lot of cases where God is going to speak to you through the people, the Christians he's placed around you. And he has absolutely designed it that way. So the question is, how does this practically, how does this work? How does God work through his body to, to speak to us? First of all, it works by us opening ourselves up to one another. We have to know what each of us is struggling with, rejoicing over, unsatisfied, and generally thinking. And why can I say that? Because it probably won't be that you wake up one morning and God gives you a word for Dean. And so then you come to me and you say, Dean, Brother Dean, got a word from the Lord for you. Okay. If God does that, let me have it. But generally speaking, that's not how it, how it works. It's more organic than that, and it's, it's actually less, um, it's not as perceived as that. Like, that seems very obvious. That seems very clear. God, boom, hits me with a word for you. Boom, that seems, that's, wouldn't we wish that's how it always happens? And it doesn't. It's very ordinary, actually. What will probably happen is that I say something about what is going on in my life. I open something up, a part of my life, and God brings to your mind something that you, you know probably would be helpful. Or he brings a scripture verse. Or, or it's just something that you just really sense that this, this would probably encourage him. And then you share it. Now, obviously, when it comes to your mind... If it's the wisdom of the world, and it's not has nothing to do with God's word, then it isn't God speaking. Because the spirit that's at work is the spirit of truth. And what will be spoken is the truth in love, as Ephesians 4 talks about. And this can happen in the same... In, in one conversation, we can do this. We can speak the wisdom of the world, and we can speak the truth of God's word. In one conversation, we can be a fool and we can be wise. Do you want to know the classic example of this? Peter. You remember Peter? He's talking with Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, uh, Peter, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ. And what does Jesus do? He says, blessed are you. Blessed are you, Peter. For this has not been revealed to you by man, but by God. God has revealed this to you. And Jesus was able to see God, was the Father, was at work revealing the truth to him about the situation. What happens in the next sentence? Jesus begins to tell him what he's about to do and how he's about to die. And Peter says, far be it from you, Lord, that this should ever happen. Now, what does Jesus tell him? Get behind me, Satan. For... That is not of God, but of the devil. So it's like, wait a second. From hero to zero in two seconds. And have you ever been there? Have you ever at times, there's a, there's a sense in which you say something, you almost shock yourself. God reveals something to you, you say something very wise, but then two minutes later you say something that's stupid. I can't even believe you said that. Wish I could get those words back. That's, that's so often what life is like. But we have to understand that when you are in communication with someone, 
with two people, you're sitting at coffee or at a dinner table or you're out for lunch or you're in the foyer and you guys are having conversations, the Spirit of God is at work. Do you realize that here today, you're going to experience God at work, the Spirit at work in and through you, and the voice of God? And someone could say something to you that encourages you, that corrects you, that instructs you, teaches you, admonishes you, rebukes you. And sometimes the person that's not even sure that happened because they don't know. You didn't say anything to them. When God is ministering to us and he's speaking to us, it's not like, you know, sometimes we think of that idea. Doesn't that, neon lights, God is speaking from heaven. Mount Sinai, thundering voice. But often, in conversations, we don't understand how much it's happening. God speaks to us through one another. And what's amazing about all this is that, you know what God often does? He makes it so that we need one another. We're interdependent and connected. Have you noticed this? Have you noticed how sometimes you're completely confused when you think about something in your life, an area of your life where you're struggling, and you're totally confused by it? And then someone else uh, says something that's going on in their life, and it just seems like you can see it with absolute clarity. You just push the easy button. That one's easy. Go back to thinking about your own life, and you're swirling again. Actually, this happened to me recently. There's something I was really seeking the Lord about, I was kind of confused about, and it, and it just seems like I had no clarity, and I, was, I just really needed clarity. And then I was talking with someone, and they started sharing their life with me and what was going on and, and how confused they were about the situation. I'm sitting there going, I'm thinking in my mind, do this or this or this. It just, it just boom, it was absolutely clear to me. I go back to my issue, and I'm, totally confused about it. I hear someone else's and it it seems clear to me. Have you experienced any of that? It's like your issue, it's cloudy, confusing. You hear someone else's and and there's clarity for some reason. That happens to us. And it's, it's something that we have to understand. Why is that? Why does this happen? Because God has designed it so that we need each other. You can, you can go try and make it on your own. You can go try to do, make all your decisions. You can go try to, like, yeah, I'm just going to spend more time in prayer. I'm going to read the word, and I'm going to have, have clear direction, and I'm going to know exactly what the Lord has for me. Well, good. I'm glad you'll do that. You do need to do that. But if you do that in isolation of the body and isolation from other believers, I'll tell you what. You'll probably end up just as confused as you were when you started. Why? Now, we can ask the question, why is that? Because God wants you to understand how dependent and needy you are of one another. He's made you one. You're one body in which the Spirit works, and you're different body parts for the good and for the growth of one another. You need to speak the truth to one another in love. And this is why God will often reveal to others what he's not revealing to you privately. Yet, Do you know what we are? We are independent free thinkers. We're self-made people. We don't need anybody else. We don't need to share. We don't need to get advice because all I need, I I can figure it out on my own. The flesh and our pride and our ego, that's what it loves. 
It loves independence. It loves, it loves to be strong. It loves to know. Don't you like to know? Don't you like to be in the know? Don't you like to be strong? Don't you like to be the guy? Don't you like to say that I've conquered and I've accomplished and I've done and, and look at me? That, we love that as, as fleshy people who, who still have remnants, massive remnants of the flesh in us. What does sharing do? What does exposing weakness do? It makes us come across as weak, needy, and unable to make it on our own. We don't like that. Do you like that? Do you like being weak? Do you like being needy? Do you like, you know, having struggles? No, one of the biggest complaints, I bet you you grumble about the most, is that, God, you hate being weak. You hate struggling. You hate it. And you probably grumble to God about it. God doesn't, I don't know if you've noticed, he's into it. He doesn't mind that you're weak. He doesn't mind that you struggle. Not only does he not mind, he's designed it this way. Because otherwise you would not need him and you would not need one another. You would become a a highly independent creature. We do that anyway, even though we're messed up. So we need to understand how this works and how God works in all this whole process is that he is going to minister and say and do things for you that you need from one another. God's voice, he will speak through the church. I don't care how mature you get, how long you've been in the faith, how you keep going. You're like One day I'm going to get to the point where I'm so strong, I'll, I won't need anybody else. I'll be just there for everybody else. It's not going to happen. Real maturity is realizing that's not going to happen. I need you, and you need me all the way to the end. All the way to the end. I'm going to have days when I'm down, and I'm struggling, and I'm hurting, and guess what I need? I need a brother. Desperately. So do you. Can't do it on our own. And you know what we often do, though? What do we do? When you're down, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you're confused, instead of going to someone else, and there's lots of reasons why we don't do that, we will go to God and we ask God to help us and to fix us. And if he doesn't do it, what do you ask? Why, God? Why don't you help me? Well, I will help you. But the way I want to help you is through your body. Not just by you all alone by yourself. I want you to understand how I've made the body. You need one another. And I will help you, but you've got to become weak before others before you'll be made strong. So here's what I'd like to encourage us all to do more of even if it's incremental. This is what we've got to start doing. If we're not doing this, we're in trouble. And it, the first thing, the very first thing in, all, in this whole process, if we are going to hear God's voice through the body, if we are going to be, speak the truth and love to one another, this must happen. We simply must get together more often. 
That's a first step. Step one, if you're taking notes, get together with other believers more often. I think if you're not getting together with someone in the church at least once a week, you're isolating yourself. And you are not going to be making much progress in your Christian life. You're going to be stumbling and struggling and having a hard time. Now, let me encourage you in this way. If this is going to happen, if you're going to get together with somebody, newsflash, it takes initiative. You've got to act. You've got to do something. You've got to text or call or email. Take initiative. Take responsibility. You realize if you see this morning that this is a need, I am not going to grow. God has designed it so that I, a lot of times, will continue to struggle, continue to confu- be confused, continue to wonder, continue to con- just continue on in this for a long time until I fundamentally understand that growth, that progress, that development is not going to happen until people are speaking the truth of, in love toward me. I need them, and they need me. Get to get, whatever's easiest. Get together for lunch. Get together for dinner. Get together for coffee. Get together. And start, start with people who you're comfortable with. But may, start to develop habits of understanding and knowing, I have got to be in fellowship with other Christians. But whatever you do, please don't listen to the lies of the devil. And here are some things that might come into your head. Don't give yourself excuses. Don't say, uh, I'm just way too busy for that. I get it, Dean, I understand, but boy, you don't, man, my schedule's maxed. Or maybe you might say something like, every time I ask someone to, to get together, they make some kind of excuses, and they don't want to get together, so I'm done. I've tried, I'm done. Another bad lie. All, it's just isolating you. Or perhaps you, you might think something like this. I would, I would, I would, I really would, and I want to, but I just don't think other people are interested. Or you could say, do you, do you ever, no, that's a wrong question. I know you do. Thoughts come into your mind that prevent you from doing things. And these thoughts are nothing but bad excuses. And often, if they're preventing you from doing the good and the right things, they're from the devil. He loves to plant seeds. He loves to plant thoughts, crazy thoughts. Because, and then what? Here's the bad thing. You can get really good at excusing yourself. Have you noticed? Man, before it used to take a lot of conversation. Now it's just, you know, two minutes, you got it nailed. Boom, that burden's lifted. Don't have to do that. I just, oh, yeah, boom, got this quick. I got my usual excuses, so they work every time. And they just ease the burden. They, no, no conviction. That, I hear a sermon, two minutes later, I got that one wiped away. Because I got, I got good lines, and these lines are effective. But realize, the number one way the devil will take us down is by getting us to withdraw and pull away and seclude ourselves from the body. Why? Because that's what wolves do to sheep. That's as old as the fall. That's a good old trick. Watch any National Geographic film or whatever, and you want to watch the animal kingdom and learn something about how predator and prey works. Isolate. Right? Every time. Watching the video, what does the cheetah do? 
It isolates the weak calf on the edge and pulls it away from the protection of the body, and boom, it's got it, right? No, not sometimes they get away and we cheer, but more often than not, they don't. Isolate. Withdraw. Get them away from the herd or the pack. Make, get them in a, in a vulnerable position because there you can really get them. But let's say, let's just now, okay, you're getting together. Let's say you're getting together with other Christians. Next question, I think, is this. How can we make sure those times or occasions that we do get together are occasions where we can hear God's voice? That we, we can be edified. That we can be built up. And this is where we have to understand this. If we don't open up our lives, it's, it's probably not going to be any chance that someone's going to speak into our lives. Because if we're going to be growing up into Christ, as Ephesians 4.15 says, we have to be given the opportunity to speak the truth in love toward one another. And if, and if I don't know or you don't know what's going on, how do you, you know, is, is God going to bring anything to your mind? Maybe he will. But you're certainly probably not going to say anything about it because that person hasn't opened themselves up to you at all. No one will usually speak the truth into a love, the truth and love into a situation where they're not invited or it's it's not um, appropriate because they haven't given the opportunity to you. In those situations, you ever notice those people who like they read Ephesians four and they're hyperzealous and they really want to be obedient, and so they're really good at speaking the truth in love. Their, their spiritual gift is going around telling everybody um, what's messed up in your life and how you need to fix it. Don't be that person. But here's, here's the thing we have to understand, that nobody will ever be able to speak the truth and love into your life unless you open your life to them. Even think of your own body, getting back into this analogy that's given to us in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians, your own body. Does your own body, if you want to fix something, does it send a signal? Does it let the rest of the body know? How about, of course it does, right? You got that bad back. Is it letting the rest of the body know? You bet. It's not like, oh, don't worry about me. I got this covered. No, the whole body is coming to help it out. It's like, no, you don't have it covered, and I know you don't, because you know, you're screaming out, and all the rest of us can hear it. <laughs> The rest of the body comes to the aid and support, and the whole body gathers around and helps. The same with the body of Christ. Well, that's the way it should be, but we remain silent. And this is, this is the deal. Here's another area where there's a really good reason why we don't do this, why we don't share our lives and open them up with one another. And you've you got to understand the devil is involved in these aspects as well, highly involved. Because what's the number one thing he wants you to believe and start thinking? What's the lie that gets put in your head? It's this. He wants you to think that what, think that what you're going through is unique. Have you ever felt that? No one would understand. No. No one else understands. You feel like you're the only one in the world. And not only that, if I told them, man, they're going to think I'm nuts. They're going to think I'm crazy. There's no, way, there's no way I could ever share that 
That's, that's another trick, as old as the hills. Because 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that no temptation has seized you except what? Except which is common to man. I will guarantee you there's not a sin that's happened in this room that's not a common, oh yeah, most people do that. They struggle with that. You know, sometimes even in church, let's just say you are struggling with your faith. Let's just say you're, you, you, you have moments where you're like, does God even exist? <gasps> Did you just say that? You know, we don't dare say something like that because we're church folk. And the devil will make you believe that that's unique. You're strange. You're weird. These people don't know. Nobody understands you. They won't understand that. Know what they're going to do? They're going to isolate you. They're going to throw you out as like weird leper. You're right. That's what they're going to do. Because I don't think I look at those people and they all have it together. Me? I'm a mess. Who wants to know what's going on with me? You wouldn't want to know my struggles. You wouldn't want to know my fears. You wouldn't want to know my doubts. And if I told them, they pro- I, could almost, I could almost hear the, the air being sucked out of the room. Whew! Lie with a capital L. It's a lie. No temptation has seized you except which is common. Common to man. I have yet to hear one sin from somebody that someone might have confessed me. We're like, whoa, I'm shocked. Really? I mean, uh, come on. Really? Maybe, Maybe we deceive ourselves so much that we don't even understand our own unbelief, our own weaknesses, our own frailty, our own sins, our own temptations. You know, could you imagine, let's just, here's, we got an overhead screen here. How many of you would like, who's the first volunteer? We'll put up here and play your thoughts this last week. Anyone want to volunteer? No way. No way, Jose. I'll tell, there's not a chance I would do that because I would be ashamed. I'd be humiliated. It would be awful. Horrible. Right? No one would understand. They're, they would all think I was evil. <laughs> no. If they did, they're self-righteous and deceived. They don't even know their own hearts. They don't even know their own thoughts. They don't even know their own, their own lives. They've deluded themselves. But we all like to put up a show. We don't like to share. We don't like to open our lives. And these are, this, this, is, this is a real problem because of this. So much, so much ministry doesn't happen in the body. We're not growing up. We're not maturing. We're not advancing. We're not moving forward in our Christian lives because we're closed off. We're always protecting. We're always defending. We're always guarding. We're always shielding. We don't want others' input. We don't want others to know. But please, begin sharing. Open up your lives. And then, as you do, know this, that you give opportunity for the word, to, the truth to be spoken into your life. And this is also a good chance at prayer meetings. Think of prayer meetings anywhere, Bible studies, 
or you have an actual prayer meeting or you know, a small group or whatever you're doing, prayer is a wonderful time to open up and share and let people know what you're struggling with, what you really need help with, even, even what you're rejoicing over. But here's the thing. Once again, we have excuses and we have reasons why we don't. And often what we end up doing is playing the fool. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Ten seventeen says, He's on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who forsakes reproof goes astray. Proverbs 9, 8, and 9, Do not, be a, do not reprove a scoffer or he'll hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in his learning. Have you read Proverbs and you realized how important it is to hear input and how important it is to hear instruction, how important it is to hear rebuke? And the righteous love it, the fools hate it. Well, it makes total sense. I know I've been an absolute fool. I read Proverbs like, that's what I've done. I hate it. Why do I hate it? My ego hates it. My pride hates it. Have you ever been corrected? Someone tells who are you? Who do you say that? Are you, are you some professional now? You know, you got it all figured out? Well, no, but the way the body works, you know, God speaks through people, and often God gives to them what he doesn't give to you in terms of clarity as to what his word says in regard to it. But we often don't like that. We don't want the input. We don't open ourselves up for the input. And it's to our shame. And I know I've done so often in my life, I've closed my life off because even fear of what someone might say and think. The sharp rebuke that maybe will come. I remember years ago, we, had a, uh, we were having a men's meeting. This was a long time ago. And this was a great example of how God uses the younger, the weaker, the non-professional to really sometimes state the clearest truth. We were talking about a family and a situation that was going on in the church, and we were talking and talking. The more we talked, you realized um, we were probably saying things that we shouldn't have been saying about them because they weren't in our presence. You know, you get sharing too much. And then what, probably one of the youngest per- people there, one of the youngest persons there, speaks up and says, do you, do, you do you think, should we be talking like this? Do you think we should maybe be showing more grace and being careful what we say? I don't remember being incredibly convicted and rebuked by that. Isn't, isn't that the way of God? <laughs> to use the, what, the youngest person probably in the meeting to say something that powerfully, for me anyways, slapped me. I was like, wow, that was so right on, true. You ever see this with your kids? God, God doesn't need professionals. He doesn't need theologians. He doesn't need scholars. He doesn't need Bible teachers. He'll use your kids. You ever start grumbling, complaining to say, let's just say you're doing this, you're grumbling, complaining about Obama and everything about him, and all of a sudden your child says, Dad, aren't we supposed to honor those who are in authority? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Because that's what you're teaching them. So you're instructing them in the ways. Has that ever happened to you? Has your child ever called you up? Little child spoke the truth to you. Bam, did they nail you. You've been teaching them and instructing them as to what is true. And all they do is simply say, hey, I thought you taught us that this is what we should do. Well, 
Um, You're right. (laughs) That's God speaking to you through a little child. Isn't that beautiful? Say, man, I'm an idiot. Yeah, you are. And that's why you need the body. You need, we need, I need you, you need me, we need one another. It's critical to our growth. It's critical to our maturity. We will not grow up into Christ if we don't. This is the way God will speak to us. This is the way he will minister to us in so many ways, so often. Yet we remain silent. My hope this morning is that you will hear this and make choices even this week, starting tomorrow, to take some of this and apply it. I'm going to reach out and I need to get together with some people. And not just get together with them, I need to share some of what's going on in my life. At the very least, maybe God doesn't give them anything to say to you. That's fine. They can pray for you. They can encourage you. They can come alongside of you. You can weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. And have you ever even had that? It's like God God ministers. He speaks his love to you. If sometimes someone, all they do is they put their arm around you, and it's... That's what you needed. It's like the arm of Jesus saying, I love you. It's ministry to our souls. They didn't even say anything, but it spoke volumes to me. But it's not going to happen until we open up our lives with one another. Until we take some, make some effort and start sharing and allowing the truth of God's, the truth about who God is and what he has to say to us come to be a reality in our lives. That's only, it's going to be the only way that we begin to hear the voice of God in the body is when we start doing that kind of thing. So may God grant us grace to actually take the initiative to do that kind of thing. Amen. Father, We thank you so much for the body. I thank you for this body. I thank you for the church. I thank you for granting us one another. Blessed be your name that you've done this. I know I hate my weakness. I hate being weak. I hate my being needy. And I want to be self-sufficient. So, Father, please forgive me for that. Help me to see my need of these people and help them to see the need, their need of me and of one another, and that we would love one another. We'd open our lives up to one another. We'd share with one another. We'd speak to one another and love the truth of your word. And we would hear your voice in our lives, that you would minister greatly to us through this. For we ask this in Christ. Amen.